0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Trish, look what I've got here. I'm really excited about it. it oh, it's a perfect planet poster. It's Not, a perfect oh, planet we got that poster. Wow. I've just kind of stepped back in time and I was watching the programme, David Mm -hmm. Attenborough, talking about the planet and they said, you can get a poster and (gasps) I went all the way back to when I was 12 Mm -hmm. and signed up for the poster and it came to me in the post and it's got gorillas and it's all about the light and the weather and the oceans and I don't know whether it's because I'm homeschooling and I sort of feel more like the pupil than the teacher and I just thought, well, that'll come in useful. (laughs) That's the most
0: exciting thing to get in the post. Did you have it addressed to you, right? Other than yes. the children. <laughs> yes. I
1: know, I didn't even send it oh. to them. And it made me think about David Attenborough. Mm. I love him. Do you remember many funny David Attenborough moments? You tell me some, because I, I can see you've got one lined I've up. I've got one lined desperate up. To on, tell it's my... kind of in the theme. Well, all of David Attenborough's mm. programmes about mating, really. Oh, interesting. Yes. And there's a really brilliant clip of him on YouTube doing the voiceover on Graham Norton. It's a tortoise mating a croc. A croc No, shoes. it's not. It's it is, not. and he does the voiceover, and it's so, oh. so funny. Oh, that's the thing that actually happened.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right. Well, that's we not gonna... how I
1: feel about crocs. No.
0: Well, I know. Well, we're not going to be. Oh, hang on. You mean a croc shoe? A croc shoe, oh, oh, yes. not mean a crocodile?
1: <laughs> no, a croc shoe. Oh, my God. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, that the makes brain more sense. fog is bad today mm. with this oh. one, isn't it? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> Welcome to Postcards from Midlife.
0: I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as
1: always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, where today we will be bringing you some warm, witty banter, as I like to say, and helpful hints on living a stylish, informed and energetic midlife. I'm full of the joys of actual spring today, Mm. Trish, because my um, lily of the valley, the bulbs, have bloomed. um, And that kind of means spring to me. How are you feeling? Well, it
0: does. Well, My helioballs are uh, in bloom as well. And my camellias are about to uh, blossom. So I'm very excited about that. Let's come to this. (laughs) In the show today, we'll be celebrating
1: the older women we want to be. Who are they and what is it that we like about them? You're going to find out. And we will also be interviewing one of my favourite midlife social media stars, Dr. Ate Jewell, who is an outspoken and hugely entertaining beauty expert, whose life story we thought you would really like to hear. And I'm going to be talking Orgasms. Can
0: you believe I said that word out loud, oh, uh, Lorraine?
1: No, I, I, it's the kind of thing you do say out loud, apropos of nothing. Well,
0: I think it's an important topic because how do we have more and why midlife women should be enjoying the best sex of their lives? Because it can be a little bit problematic at this stage. And uh, no sex puns here because this is a subject that we do take very seriously as women who used to work on sexy magazines, didn't we? Like Cosmopolitan
1: and More magazine. Indeed, we were at the forefront. Mm. Uh, Actually, do you know what? We were at the orgasm for Front
0: line. how many headlines do you think you've written about orgasms in your life
1: my favorite one is um, for Cosmo's 30th birthday where mm. I wrote orgasms in space and we interviewed <laughs> two porn stars who'd had sex in the vomit comet as they call it that oh, airplane God. that gets to the outer edge oh, of yes, the atmosphere yes. yeah
0: well that sounds like a story that everybody didn't need to hear but never mind moving on <laughs> moving on <laughs>
1: So let's get started but first I wanted to thank all the listeners who have viewed our new series how to win at midlife on Instagram these are the Instagram lives we've been doing weekly if you miss them they are on our IGTV channel on the postcards from midlife Instagram and we also post them to the Facebook group they're really helpful they're full of advice from experts and if you put some questions in on the Facebook group or Instagram then I will get those questions and so will Trish we'll get those questions answered um, and so far we've Tackled nutrition, fitness, and how to hide grey hairs. All very useful things. So, first up on today's episode is our jibber jabber section. Mm. So, this is our little chat about something in midlife that we think will matter to you. And this week, I thought we should look at some of the women who are a little bit older than us that we're really inspired by and we want to be and sort of keep in our minds when mm. we're thinking about our future and where we want to go with that as women. Who has inspired you, Trish?
0: Well, I think you know because I have been banging on about
1: her, but she's.
0: um, (laughs) It's um, Marissa Tomei, the American actress. And I watched uh, that film, The King of Staten Island, last week because I think it's free now on Sky. (laughs) But it's one of these Judd Apatow kind of directed comedy dramas. And it's a semi autobiographical account of the Saturday Night Live performer Pete Davidson, that young comedian oh, yes. all covered in tattoos. And it's about him growing up in New York. And his dad actually was a firefighter and he died during 9 11. So it's like really emotional. So it's kind of based on that. But I have to say, Marissa steals the show playing his mother, who is this almost saintly character called Margie. And she's a widowed ER nurse. And her daughter is leaving for. For college but her 24 year old son played by davidson still lives in the basement getting high with his friends all day so he's so she literally has the patience of a saint and she's so loving but one day she just shoves him out of the house he's got nowhere to go she's just go and get on with your life it's really funny but it's also about a mother deciding when it's okay to start living her own life again and yes, she's sort of all about the aunt. children she's a widow she's had to get them through the grief and then she she kind of goes out and meets a guy and falls in love again. And I cannot believe this. I had to look this up. She's 56. And oh, my God, she is just gorgeous. She's amazing. And she looks incredible in a not... Facelifty, Botoxy botox fillery kind of way. She looks very natural. So I'm very much a
1: fan she, of hers. She's like a queen of comedy, isn't she? I always yeah. remember watching Seinfeld when George and Seinfeld had a, a really big crush on Marissa oh. Tomei. It went on for ages and ages, and then she appeared in one of the episodes, and she was hysterical.
0: Apparently Lady Gaga has said if there was ever a biopic made about her, she wants Marissa to play her. So yes. that's
1: another, <laughs> another big endorsement. So I've gone down another slightly different route But an actress... Called Geraldine James. Do you remember Geraldine Oh, I James? love Geraldine James. She yes. is amazing. She is 70 now. She is not. She oh, my is. God. She looks amazing. Doesn't matter. It shouldn't really be relevant what age she is. But she's in Anne with an E. Oh, uh, favorite Green Gables, program. my favourite yes. on Netflix. But I watched an interview with her. She's been in absolutely everything. And she's just got this lovely, soft way about her. But she was in Rogue One, the Star Wars film. Oh. Was she... You know I am a massive Star Wars fan, <laughs> and I just thought, well, wouldn't it have been amazing to have been in a Star Wars film? And she, said, when when she was asked this question, she said, yes, it absolutely was amazing because I remember queuing at midnight to get tickets to see the first ever Star Wars oh, film, um, and then to strange. be offered a part, and that was quite recent, Rogue One, and yeah. she was in her sixties to be, she was a pilot in it. She's had such an incredible
0: career, yeah. but very sort of quite lo-fi, but just very, very good. Yeah, and, and I think if impressive. I want to
1: be someone. Like that, I'd kind of like someone. To, I'd like to be Geraldine James when I'm in my yes. 70s thinking it's been a bit low fi, but it's been impressive, and I'm proud of my body of work. She's yes. got amazing hair, amazing Ooh, hair, cu- quite a bit curly. She's also in Downton. Ooh. I'm told. Oh, I don't. I yes. won't watch Downton. No, she, more your bag, isn't it? <laughs> who else <laughs> is on your list <laughs> no. of women you want to be?
0: Okay, I haven't quite gone with the theme of older women <laughs> because I've actually got Camille Cotton, who is forty two. Now I've been a bit late to the party discovering her. She She's in Call My Agent, which is that French uh, kind of hit show on Netflix. Anybody who hasn't seen it yet, oh my God, I highly recommend it. And she plays this... the showbiz agent. So it's all about this kind of this these agents who managed actors and actresses, and they get into all sorts of scrapes and dilemmas and cock ups. And uh, she plays this character called Andrea Martel, and she is so gorgeous. She's this really acerbic, straight talking, smoking, drinking. She's all skinny jeans and cool capes, isn't it, she? This She's is just... who you
1: want to be, isn't she? Well,
0: it? it's who I want to be. <laughs> who maybe I wished I had been at some point in my life but I just never quite got it together to be quite as cool as her but she just is so brilliant the way she kind of lots of smart observations sort of you know, about women. The whole show is actually about it is a lot about women, isn't it? It's about mm. aging, being actresses yeah. and aging. So I just cannot recommend that one enough. So she's my I think new... it's
1: letting out your inner diva, isn't it? It's just I think so. kind of which brings me to Gail Collins, is a New York Times columnist, mm-hmm. and she was one of the first women on the board of the New York Times. She's in her seventies now. She's amazing. If you're a journalist, mm-hmm. she's kind of the journalist journalist. Um, and she was very groundbreaking as a female op-ed writer. Gail has written a book called called No Stopping Us. And it's really the history of brilliantly strong and powerful women mm-hmm. and it's also the history of women as they've grown older and how you grow into yourself which I guess is what we're kind of talking about here and actually she said the power that we're seeing in older women because there's a lot of older women around at the moment in really powerful places Nancy Pelosi 79 mm-hmm. Christiane Lagardere is 63 Ursula von der Leyen is 61 why we are seeing a sort of resurgence and mm-hmm. why we feel the media, media is talking about it is because finally those women are making a difference to economics because uh-huh. they've started to come through and where women make a difference to the economics of a country or an industry they then tend to be allowed to do it longer mm-hmm. <laughs> she's quite fascinating Gail Collins there's some great talks on YouTube she gives about the history of powerful women she would be someone I'd want to be in my 70s uh-huh. amazing I think we're going to return to this aren't we Lorraine because we it was are.
0: hard to decide there were so many on our list so this will become a little little bit of a theme and we might have a little bit of chat about it on the Facebook group as well <laughs>
1: Writer, film director, beauty blogger, and diversity advocate Dr. Ate Jewell joins us for a deep dive into wrestling the best out of your midlife. Ate, who is in her 40s, lives in the Cotswolds with her husband and nine year old twin daughters she first came to my attention as a beauty writer, but recently I read a powerful piece she wrote about her own dramatic weight loss, which I thought would resonate with our listeners. Ate is a woman whose straight talking, motivational and positive attitude to life is contagious. And Trish and I thought you'd benefit from hearing her story. Welcome, Ate.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled. So exciting. There
1: is a line in one of the pieces you wrote, which really resonated with me, which is one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show. So I'm going to read it because it's a. Direct quote: You say, so how did I manage to double in size and become 10 stone overweight in my 30s? I think that's a good place to begin your story, because at school you were an athlete, weren't you?
2: I was very sporty at school. I was captain of everything. I was the under 14 fencing champion of the inner city schools in London. Fun fact. And um, I really enjoyed sports and dancing. The weight crept on in my 30s because I was so stressed out probably a little bit before at university which was a very traumatic time and I remember someone telling me no one has a food problem they have a feeling problem and I think so many people can relate to that and that really spoke to me I didn't have a food problem I had a feeling problem and I coped with that by just sugar 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 food 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 comfort 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 and I ended up Doubling, literally doubling in size. We all know if you juggle so much with your work, with your family, if you're a carer, you know, I think women juggle and push themselves and very rarely take care of themselves. And I pushed it and I gave myself type 2 diabetes. But it was from a place of pain, it was from a place of frustration and pain.
1: Really, you had pinpointed a lot of it back to your parents' divorce and your kind of extreme work ethic as a student.
2: Well, I mean, I had a very interesting childhood, very kind of 1980s dynasty dramatic. You know, my, my dad was a, <laughs> a diplomat for the UN. I grew up in a very privileged, powerful way. My dad was a millionaire, very well off. And then he kind of got caught out having multiple families around the world because he was a diplomat and could sort of fly around the place. And my mum divorced him. And then overnight, I went from princess to sort of nothing because he froze all the bank accounts and tried to freeze my mother out in the way a lot of 1980s powerful men did. She'll come back once the checking account is closed. Um, <laughs> and my mum my didn't. And I really thank her for that. She's very strong. But It taught me that you cannot trust anything the rug can p- be pulled away from you at any moment I had to walk to school sometimes I went to a very posh girl school in Knightsbridge but sometimes I couldn't afford the bus fare and I would walk and I'd have to pretend and you know my friends were getting BMWs for their birthdays and I didn't know if I had enough to eat at home sometimes and I had this very double life which was a strain and boring and no one really understood what I was going through. It's
1: hard for a teenager to go through isn't it a teenage girl? Very to and
2: very lonely and then when I went to university I Again, I worked four jobs to put myself through through school. I used to start my homework at two o'clock in the morning. I would have to walk to the science lab. I was in contact with my dad and he'd give me money here or there, but it was such he was such a controller with money. He would tell me things like, you don't need money for your rent. You're fat. You need a trainer more than you need money for the electricity. So he was quite mm-hmm. a cruel person. Yeah. And I sort of cut myself off from him. But that internal noise doesn't help. And also being a black woman. I went to Bristol University, amazing university. I was the only black person out of 200 people to study history that year. It's shocking. So I, that's, that's well, the
1: 90s, isn't it? That's in the 97, 90s. 97, 97, Yeah, So not long ago.
2: Not long ago. And... I've always known I've had to work 10 times harder. My headmistress told me, don't bother applying to Oxford University. They don't want your kind. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, I'm 17. I'm straight A's in history, which I wanted to study. And this woman is telling me they're not, You know, it's not for me, not my kind. And I come from a, a place where I was expected to do well. I had resources. I was told you should achieve, you should strive. And I just remember thinking, people from different backgrounds what is the messaging they're getting if I'm being yeah. told in Knightsbridge don't bother mm. it's not for you for me it lit a fire in me I have a mm-hmm. huge fu you know and that where dri- that's where that drive comes from I think you can either crawl up and it can really destroy you I know a lot of people whose mental health has been affected my mental health has been affected by the way I've been treated but it made me have an iron fist and drive but there's always a price to pay and the price was my body
0: and your health is as well actually because you talk about type to diabetes. I mean, that's quite a serious thing to have, isn't it, in your 20s and 30s? Tell us about the impact of that on your lifestyle. And then also, you reversed it, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, I'm borderline. I'm almost there. Another stone mm. and it'll be gone. I had my babies. I have twins, daughters who are just wonderful and delicious. And I work full time. I had my own business. I think if you know if you're freelance and you work for yourself, you work harder than normal. You just working keep home.
1: working, don't you? Yeah. There's,
2: yeah, there's no shut off. There's no cut off yeah. point. And I just was working hard and fast, burning the the candle at both ends. And I had these babies who were so delicious and looking after them and not sleeping. And I remember just one day, just waking up, shaking and vomiting. And I, it was for probably six months. I'm really hard. I am tough. Mm-hmm. So I remember waking up, shaking, vomiting, taking them to school or nursery, getting back, having shakes, night sweats. And I just thought, oh, you know what? I'm stressed out. Shake it off. Don't worry about it. But I, you know, I'm a beauty girl. I'm a beauty journalist. My skin started to look wrong. And that is not the shaking or the vomiting. No. <laughs> <laughs> not the stomach cramp took me to the doctor, but what took me to the doctor was my pause. I was like, something's mm. up, my face is not correct. You know, We did the blood work and she's like, yes. She actually said to me, can you guess what's wrong? And I went, oh. do I have that? Which is what I thought was so cruel. I was like, uh, do I have cancer? Am I dying? And she said, no, you've given yourself type two diabetes. It was very dismissive. It was very, Ooh. let's whack you on insulin. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, when you write about health and things like that, yeah. you, you have a little bit of education. And then she consulted her consultant. She's like, will oh, actually, write. Yes, it'd be a bit hardcore to put mm. you on insulin. And it was just this whole mess. And the way you, I was treated was terrible. I put myself into this situation and I knew I had to get myself out of the situation. But it's interesting
1: so, that nobody talked to you about your mental health or what was happening at home. And interesting that you, as a woman, only gave yourself permission to go and talk about, the woman thing that the skin thing often female pain is completely ignored by gps anyway because we are assumed that we should put up with quite a lot of it anyway i assume now you're a little bit older you probably would have gone in with a very different attitude yeah. and asked for help
2: definitely you know my mother said when you turn 40 you give <laughs> you don't there's like a switch that goes off where you just don't care and the yeah. people pleasing stops and she was so right you talk about being treated and ignored female pain but when you add black female pain yeah exactly like the highest death rates for childbirth and just being ignored I went in with a lump in my breast because I knew something was up and I was told it was in my imagination there was nothing there go away you know please it's fine I went back with my husband who's white and a man and I and I said Daniel it's really horrible, but I need to use your white privilege because mm. I'm not going to die. And so he came <laughs> back with me, and the doctor said, "Okay, my colleague looked at you and said that that there was a lump that you think was there, but there wasn't there." And I just looked at my husband, and he said, "She's got a lump." He went, "Oh, okay." Checked mm-hmm. me out that afternoon. I was in for an x-ray, all the things. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, I had a biopsy. It turned out to be fine, benign, but there was alarm. It was so suspicious they did a biopsy. But if I didn't have my white husband there, that was really shocking. I think because as a, I'm a woman and all this microaggressions, you do turn the volume down on who you are, your health, and it batters your self-esteem. I've got to be honest, it is a mm-hmm. battle of self-esteem. And to love yourself and to look after your health is the ultimate self-esteem it was a horrible thing and I cried I felt so guilty and so stupid for doing that to my body but also it was a real wake-up call you
1: lost five
2: six stone didn't you in over that time what did you do physically I lost four stone in four months and I'm a very extreme person I'm all or nothing which is good and bad because for work it's brilliant you can just power through but then you hit a wall and it's not good but in terms of losing the weight I had to switch my my mentality I was like okay there is a choice I can live or I can die because if I keep going like this something will happen to me you know I will either get a heart attack or a stroke or something but like they're they're real consequence I have children I'm a mom I need to live I'm gonna do everything I can to make myself as healthy as possible so I just stopped sugar cold like an addict no more sugar but like a short sharp shock that was really painful headaches fogginess it was like a drug leaving your body and if you read about sugar it lights up the same places in the brain that um, heroin. Cocaine, heroin does yeah mm. it's the same it's the same dopamine spikes so I had to cut that cold turkey I started going to yoga now I always used to laugh at yoga I was Me like too. It's not... yeah it's it's not... but it's really effective <laughs> so effective because it's mind body spirit which is what mm. was really broken my body wasn't broken my spirit was broken yeah and I had to fix my spirit and then your body healing is only the byproduct that's the secret mm-hmm. don't ever go on a diet don't ever do fix your spirit and then everything will fall into place and it took a lot to walk into a studio because again No one looks like me in yoga studios. There are no yoga teachers who look like me. Again, it's another triggering of like, this is not a space for you. They don't want you just like my headmistress. Not for you, mm-hmm. not for you. But I want to live, and I know this is good for me. So I, you know, I went to Bodyism in Notting Hill. I was blessed with lovely teachers who were very welcoming, and they feel it was a safe space. But to even walk through the door took a lot, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and what uh, to wear? And I mean, there was no active wear for me, so I literally was mm-hmm. like in my like joggers mm-hmm. and a top, surrounded by twenty-one-year-old Instagrammers and like their yeah. active wear. It was <laughs> their <just> Lululemon. <Yeah> like not even having a proper sports bra because nothing's big enough for my huge boobs i mean all these things you don't even think about which are barriers to help you actually have a good healthy relationship with your body but i went i started doing ballet because i love ballet i was really Mm -hmm. good at ballet i wanted to be a professional ballet dancer again at eight not -hmm. for you ballet dancers Mm -hmm. don't look like you you're probably gonna grow boobs you're going to get a big bump don't even bother and if I go back all the times I've been told no 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 and so I just stopped dancing because mm-hmm. I believe what people said mm-hmm. well what's the point I don't look like a Russian ballerina or a little petite thing um even though I'm really good at it I, I literally well you're not on, white top. that's the main mm-hmm. thing the ballet that through was, those that, years that, yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. what, what I was told. So I started dancing again with a lovely ballet dancer called Caris Scarlett, who I still dance with today. And slowly, slowly, joy comes back. Your spirit soars. All, ju- just doing all the things that made me happy. I moved to the Cotswolds. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm out of here. I need to walk in t- with trees. I need to be surrounded by nature. I need to forest bathe. So we moved to the countryside two years ago. Best decision I ever did. And it was about healing. And mm. as soon as you can heal yourself, then the weight goes. You don't need mm. to reach for that chocolate, you don't need to do that. So you were very much kind of
0: focusing on nourishing your body, your soul, your spirit, and really, the, the, they, as you say, they all go together. As a mother of daughters, I'm very interested now to see from from you know, your parenting, what will you be doing differently, you think, with your daughters so you, they don't have to go through the experiences that you have?
2: Well, my mum is super-duper glamorous, super-duper mm-hmm. slim and skinny. She comes from a time where... Your job was to be beautiful and have Mm -hmm. nice dinner parties. You know, she was a diplomat's wife. That was her job and that's what she was raised to do. If I'm going to be totally honest, probably being a bit bigger was a form of rebellion. Like I ain't going out like that. You know, know, (laughs) having to unlearn that. I was brought up watching Fasting Fridays, Hot Water and Lemon sitting around listening to my mum's girlfriend yeah. talking about their husbands shagging their secretaries and mm. how scared they were. And they're going to do the Cambridge diet and the cabbage diet. So I grew up listening to all of that. And that is of its time. There's no judgment, no shade. But I just grew up going, no, thank you. And probably having quite a negative association with looking after your body equals pleasing a man, mm. equals a lack of power which Mm isn't something I never wanted to have. So I had to, in my late thirties, rewire that programming, that looking after your body, being healthy is all about you and not about being an oppressed woman. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. Now with my girls... I'm a cautionary tale. I'm like, listen to me. (laughs) This is what happens when you don't respect your body. You don't respect healthy eating and healthy Mm -hmm. food. And I have that thing of when there were two, they, they would say things like, Mama, how come you're eating chocolate cake? We're having hummus and carrots. I'm like, eat hummus. (laughs) <laughs> well that's the that's the
1: confusing thing isn't it i think gen x parents is we come from a background where it was talked about a lot more perhaps than i talk about it mm. at home dieting and bodies and Mm-mm. you know particularly amongst women so i guess you've had to reverse how you talk to your kids haven't you because they've watched you change shape in a way as you've got older
2: yeah and also just i don't want them to have those hang-ups they're nine and one of my girls came back saying oh someone was talking about being skinny and you can only be an instrument." Of your super skinny. And I was like, oh my God, the noise has started already in this kind of body fascist self-loathing nonsense and oh it's just so sad that they're exposed to it already and they're questioning themselves and my girls are mixed heritage one of them was like mommy am i fat am i thick i'm like you have an africa i'm you're west i'm west african my husband is you know i call him the viking he looks like a viking (laughs) and we just found out he's 3 Norwegian you know British Germanic and i said you are going to have a different body type to you know you are yeah. you are different you are built different you are completely healthy you're the right body weight you're the right shape and everything is healthy but your shape is different and that is also something to mm-hmm. unlearn what is healthy i'm nigerian i'm never going to be a size six mm-hmm. you know my when i was a size 10 I was a size eight, ten when I was a, you know, nineteen. My hot girl weight. I was still eleven stone. Yeah. Eleven stone to someone is morbidly obese, but I'm getting into Karen Millen size eight clothes. You yeah. know, remember yeah. Karen Millen back in the day? Oh, do yeah. They yeah. were cut so That's small. Um, <laughs> and eleven stone for me was a size eight, but was, so all of, like these numbers and these beauty standards are ridiculous. Are you mm. healthy? Are you strong? Mm. Are you sleeping? Is your body nourished? This this is what I'm telling my children. Do you love yourself? Are you interesting? Are you clever? This is more important than your calorie count for the day. All three of
0: us have been involved in the beauty industry to a certain extent because we're we're journalists, you you've you're a beauty writer. Do you think it's getting better, the beauty world, in terms of inclusivity across the board acceptance we talk a lot about you know the whole anti-aging it's not about anti-aging it's about aging well it's about aging better what what are your views on
2: where the beauty industry is sitting right now i think black lives matters was a massive wake-up mm. call for the world especially mm. our industry i think it- we know we've all taken a good hard look at ourselves and the beauties. And it's that thing of not being malicious, but no one looks like me. I've been in the industry mm. for 20 years. I'd go to a beauty launch, you know, and I, let alone having a brunette, no one looked like me, you know? Mm. And without being malicious, how can you talk to the room and talk to society when there's only one beauty standard, which mm-hmm. everyone looks like. So that is difficult. And I think people recognize that the more diverse, the more you could, the more you see different body shapes, different sizes, I think it's healthier for everybody, you know? Well, so it's better
1: like, for business as well, isn't it? It's Fenty sell all the shades they produce. It's not like they only sell the lighter shades that they produce, their yeah. massive range sells, all of it. So we talked to Bobby Brown about this, didn't mm, we? The bigger yeah. the range, they, it's not yeah. like they
2: don't sell. <laughs> I look at the way the beauty industry has Handle handled diversity in the same way as sexism. Now, women have only had the vote for 100 years. Does that mean that 100 years ago, women were not capable of taking charge of their money, of their families, of working, of picking a suitable candidate to govern this country? No, it has never been about that. It's about power, oppression. It's other things that work. Now, if you have shades which people want to buy, Will you make lots of money? Yes. As you said, Fenty Beauty, 100 million of media uh, value in the first yeah. month of, of uh, launching. And everyone else was like, oh, it's more than that. It's about power, oppression, knowing your place, not for you, which I've had all my life told to me. Mm-hmm. And I think now people are a bit fed up of it. Black Lives Matters has woken everybody up to realizing the imbalances we have and it's really important that everyone is recognized everyone is seen and there are all different types of beauty and health my healthy body weight is not someone else's healthy body weight because I'm built differently and that's okay
1: and I think also it started to realize that older women are not invisible that there isn't a cut-off age I think that's getting better although I think what also is happening is is older women are being taken advantage of. They're a slightly wealthier demographic mm-hmm. and they're being sold things that is just simply not true what's being offered. Do you, have you encountered that in terms of ageism in the industry? Because you know about all the products as
2: they come out, don't you? Yeah, and that is such a huge thing. It's as if your cell-based date is the minute you hit menopause or something and yeah. then it's like, goodbye, thank you so much, it's been <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> thank you for Bye-bye. all the money you've already spent, but we don't want to just... Anymore. And it just doesn't make any sense that you, you know, you get more powerful. You get, you're a bigger caretaker. You have more money the older you get. Again, it's like the voting, it just doesn't make sense. And like, you know, I think everyone's just woken up. COVID-19 has made everyone sit at home, Mm. have a good hard look at the world we live in and go, no, I don't want to have an an anti-aging cream sold to me by a 24-year-old model. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want to be told anti-aging. A very close family member of mine died of breast cancer last year at 52. It is a Mm. privilege to get old. Mm -hmm. It is not something that we all make. We We all don't get that. Yeah. so it's kind of insulting to say anti-aging that's hurt my heart even more since that loss no it's about skin health we need the mm-hmm. language to change mm-hmm. skin health it's about being the best version of yourself today not like I'm 42 I want to be that nineteen version of myself no you I wouldn't pay if you paid me I wouldn't go back <laughs> um, <laughs> It's about being healthy and strong and happy today and loving yourself. And
1: how have you motivated yourself? Because we get a lot of women on our Facebook group particularly asking about the weight loss. There are various reasons physiologically why you put on weight, especially around the middle as you get older. But it is still possible to maintain a quite healthy weight. But it's quite difficult to motivate yourself, particularly if you're going through perimenopause, your mood is low, you're not getting the right hormone treatment. You say you just gave up sugar. I mean, I could probably never do that (laughs) how
2: do you just give something up like that i needed that like an addict needing to detox i needed a short sharp shock now i i went to vivavaya as well like last year to do like um, for a story, for an article, you know, people yeah. might have the, the, yeah,
1: the clinic, yeah. The um, yeah, they
2: did fasting there. Day one, I called my husband crying, asking for Deliveroo and to fly me the <laughs> hell out of that. Um, <laughs> day but, one. I was like, get me out of here. But they, you know, they told me something which was so amazing. They said, no, you need to eat chocolate every day. Okay, eat, interesting. And I was like, wow. They said, as soon as you make something holy and sacred, you want mm. it more, and, yes. You know, it's like Keanu I, Reeves, exactly.
1: <laughs> want him more now. He's well, completely exactly. unobtainable.
2: You know, and it is that thing of what quality. So I will have vegan chocolate now. I'll have mm. vegan dark chocolate, and I will savor it, and I will enjoy it, and I will love it. And then it's done. It's not holy. It's not sacred anymore. So I think it's about. I need it. I'm very extreme. I can do that. Now, for the rest of my life, you know, if you want to have a glass of wine, if you want to have some chocolate, you do it, but you bless it Mm. and thank it. And you are grateful and you say thank you. When you eat in a really mindful way, you you naturally stop Mm. at where you listen to your body. And I tell my girls this, nothing is off limits. There's no bad food. There's no good food. It's just listen to your body. Am I nourished? And mm-hmm. when your spirit is broken, the bottle is never, you know, you will never, never sated here. Yeah. So that's why the spirit is important. I would eat probably, God, a packet of biscuits, two packets of biscuits and a tub of Ben and Jerry's a day when I was at my worst. But instead of doing that, I'll have my lovely dark chocolate and then I'll go for three walks that day if I'm having a mm-hmm. bad day. So mm-hmm. instead of like a packet of biscuits, it will be a five minute walk around the house. So it's replacing your addiction in a funny way with a positive mind switch isn't it mm. yeah I'm, mm. I'm always going to be that person I will always need something to help with my stress I will always need comfort I will always need the self-soothing but instead of really extreme negative sugar I will have a bath now which I will mm. read a book I'm like yeah. I didn't even know people did that what yeah. <laughs>
0: and in terms of your career you you do so many different things I'd love to know what what you've got coming up we're actually looking at you on our screens you're wearing this most beautiful jumper gorgeous pink eye makeup and you've got the most incredible
2: sort of satin beaded headband which I believe is a creation of your own is that right yes it's a a lovely collaboration with Rosings London who is Mm -hmm. an amazing artisan brand she is a mum of mixed heritage girls and you know it's a I really wanted to support small business. Big business is great. Small business, everyone's suffering. The first lockdown was an awakening for me. I only wore black or Mm grey for 20 years, you know? And my daughter daughter Adana said, Mummy, why are you being an old grey lady? You know, in that delightful (laughs) way that children tell you the truth. Yes. And I was being an old grey lady because I just wanted to blend in, be chic and fit in. And I knew that my being myself was often too much, you know? Mm -hmm. So just being bigger, being black, being loud was too much. So just put some black on it, make it chic, style it out. Mm. And then lockdown happened. I really don't give a monkey anymore. I don't care. I am going to do me. So out came the bright colours. Oh, I love it. The the headbands is, you know, literally, I call it hashtag crown yourself. It's about... being the king or queen that you are and owning yourself and my daughter said to me "Mummy, look at you you're not hiding anymore which literally made me cry because children just they just see the truth don't they Mm. and i'm not hiding anymore so i'm just exploding i'm writing a book called coils and curls the ultimate guide to loving your hair because i hated my hair for years Mm -hmm. it was loser hair it was the hair of maids and crackheads (laughs) and films you know you never saw anyone Powerful with natural hair, you know. Well, which boardroom did you see anyone looking like me with my natural hair in? Ever? Mm-hmm. I would chemically straighten my hair, and I knew mm-hmm. if I did, yeah. I wouldn't even get an interview to get in the building, you know. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a fact. You are doing uh, um,
1: a foundation as well? Yes,
2: it's taking me four years to develop this makeup range. I've had so many chemists say no. People with dark skin don't want to glow, they want to be matte. And I'm like, mm. okay, great. Thank you for telling me that, what I want. Really appreciated. Can you make <laughs> oh, it glow, please? Uh, <laughs> it's been such a mm. Oh, it's, it's like, exhausting. <laughs> it is exhausting. So I've gone, it's taken me four years to get this point. Um, lovely Trini Woodall from Trini London, mm. who is, she is one of those women who put her money where her mouth yeah. is and supports other women. She opened her contacts book and, um, like literally hooked me up with an amazing factory. So mm-hmm. finally, after four years of no, 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 I'm developing a foundation for dark, darker skin tones, all those in between shades that mm-hmm. look, they get overlooked yeah. and I will eventually expand, but I'm just going where the need is. Lip balm, a blush called F.U. Fuchsia, because when I was 15 on a beauty counter, I was told black girls don't wear pink and oh. black girls don't do blush. So Karen Hirons, another ally and lovely oh, friends. Yes. Her her skin freak said, you should call it FU (laughs) Fuchsia. So so that's being created now. So um, I'm starting, I don't want to call it a charity. It's an education foundation, a fighting fund to help black students and mixed heritage students in higher education because no one should go through what I went through. Mm. I remember walking to that computer lab and thinking I might get raped tonight. I've got to suck it up because I can't fail. And Mm. I don't think anyone at 19 should have to reconcile that with themselves just to get on with it. So Mm -hmm. I am working with some amazing brands who donated, that's coming out later this year to really help put people, more diverse people in the boardroom and Mm -hmm. in positions of power, because that's how things will really change. So lots coming up, which is
0: very exciting. Well, Atte, for somebody who's been told don't, won't, can't, we are so impressed with everything that you've achieved. And it has been such a pleasure talking to you today.
1: You have definitely brightened up a very gloomy day for us. So so thank you you. so much for joining us. And if you were someone who's your whole journey has been to get your spirit back, I think you've got your spirit back it's definitely there and it's contagious so it's been lovely talking to you thank you so much so Trish, are you ready to uh, get a little frisky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so this week's how to win at midlife is about sex isn't it now we're going to be talking about good sex bad sex Sexy sex, all kinds of sex, in fact. And I guess orgasms, particularly. Yes,
0: yes. Those important things, orgasms. Um, So I've spoken to Dania Shifjan, who is a sexologist and a psychotherapist, and she's written a very interesting book called Coming Soon, Great Orgasms and Better Sex at Your Fingertips. And she shared some kind of really helpful advice
1: on how we can get our mojo back if it's gone missing Exactly. So unfortunately, it's another one of those perimenopause symptoms, your libido can disappear as your hormones fluctuate or drop. And quite frankly, most women would like to get it back. I'd mm. say it's pretty common to be asked on our mm. Facebook group and other mm. Facebook groups, midlife women, where has my libido gone? And we kind of want it back for our relationships, our own pleasure and our sort of sense of femininity and identity. A lot of the physical changes that you go through during perimenopause and menopause, such as weight gain, hormonal changes, which lead to vaginal dryness and vaginal atrophy and that loss of desire are really, really hard to deal with, Mm. aren't they? And I think we still deserve to have a really good sex life and we still deserve to have that kind of physical sensitivity, don't we?
0: definitely we do so as well as these symptoms uh, which is obviously it's worth talking to your gp Absolutely. about because we know that hrt can help with this dania says that uh, because fertility has come to an end many women ask themselves about the meaning of sexuality and a lot of her clients come to her because they have the desire to enjoy their sexuality for the sake of sexuality and find a way to deal with the changing parameters of their body their their fertility and that physical sensitivity because it, it can sort of decrease so of the women she sees though she says that they actually are happy with their menopause because it allows them to deal with their bodies as just their bodies for pleasure it's not about fertility it's not about something else Um, and that's for the first time and it it can make them feel freer in their bodies because that feeling that you have to be beautiful that you have to please your body has to be super toned you know you just don't care quite so much about that or some women don't and they can just concentrate on themselves more and once the menopause, you know, things like contraception, that sort of stuff can fall away. So you don't have to be thinking and worrying about that. But in terms of why our libido goes, obviously, the hormonal changes, when you're not ovulating, that's a kind of peak estrogen time. And that's kind of time that you want to have sex. So you're not going to be ovulating. Very
1: often, you lose that window,
0: you lose that kind of, you know, hormonal drive. So what Damia says that means is we need to find a new way of experiencing pleasure. So uh, she talks about trying to perceive touch every single touch and to learn a, a slower more pleasurable sexuality rather than a let's get on it kind of you know touching strategy. your own body as well you mean don't you? yeah touching your body yeah so learning sort of through physical sensations again and she says that obviously feeling comfortable in your body is a precondition for, for feeling true pleasure so if your confidence has taken a hit due to weight gain or the aging process she says just stop looking in the mirror and discover your body through touch in fact so when you're sort of putting on your you know your body lotion in the morning focus on kind of the sensations that you're feeling and not what you're seeing and you know certain areas might feel softer certain areas might feel warmer so it's that trying to get in tune with the kind of physical um touch of your body another simple exercise that she is recommending is that uh, when you're in the shower every day just you know have a little feel down there and just see how it's feeling without the expectation of arousal so it's just getting intimate with your body and getting to know all those areas of your body that you you might not have done so much of Um, in terms of long-term relationships obviously couples do get lazier and lazier over time and um and we kind of sort of lose things from our sexual repertoire or we just get into the same kind of all right it's 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 saturday so it must be that position type of thing um (laughs) And uh, you know, just break... letting you go on here <laughs> Thanks for the help here. Yes, I'm doing all, the, all the tough bits. She says you can break out of this spiral. You've got to kind of have some courage here. You've got to kind of have the courage to explore your own limits and try something that you might enjoy, even at the re- the risk of your partner maybe not being quite so into it. But you know, you can get a little bit shy sometimes with your partner when you've known them for a long if time. If you
1: watch Esther Perel, mm. she has a lot. It's more she looks upon it as a new new erotic life as opposed mm. to sex because sex is so tied up with so many physical things, I think, mm-hmm. for this generation of women. So she's quite good on how to bring that back into mm-hmm. your life i think it's worth googling her and her talks yes as well, isn't yeah
0: it? yeah exactly she's an american psychotherapist yes, isn't she, she? Is.
1: yeah relationships like yeah
0: for long-term relationships she says you need to kind of relearn how to look at your partner and see them through those rose colored glasses and stop focusing on everything the other person doesn't do well which is a bit of a trap we fall into because when we do that we suppress the positive beautiful things in the relationship so we need to learn to look at our partner with different eyes so that we we Can fall in love with them. And I think you mentioned this on a previous podcast, Lorraine, with um, another relationship so psychic about looking at them differently. And then for anyone single or coming out of a relationship and embarking on a new sexual encounter, she says not to think you already know everything about sexuality. Just don't think you know it all and you're not going to learn anymore because you can. Just just because you've been around the block a few times yeah. doesn't mean that there aren't new things to discover. So you don't have to be a professional in bed. And it's also not important to have experts. Expectations that you're going to have really good sex straight away or, you know, right from the outset. And instead, she advises going really carefully and slowly into a new experience to make sure that it's it's kind of very pleasurable for you. But I think the overriding message of her book and something she wants every woman to know is that most of what we learn and know about sexuality is based on myths because sexuality can be learned. It's not just this innate thing we have. You can learn to feel, you can learn to sense, you can learn to have an orgasm or kind of become lusty again. And um, also, of course, every woman can have just as much desire as a man and every woman can be just as sexual as a man. So we have the freedom to decide to invest in our sexuality if we want to, is her message. So that's...
1: that's That is a very good message. I'll tell you who else is very good on this, Mm -hmm. particularly around sexuality if you are single and not in a relationship, Mm -hmm. is Meg Matthews. So have a look at her website. She actually recommends sex toys might be useful for women. Actually, Lily Allen has just uh, launched a vibration. Which um mm-hmm. she's very, very good if you look at some of the interviews. Yeah, well, she
0: um, yeah, because she, um, she talks about the fact that she found it really hard to orgasm, didn't yes. she? In in yeah. a sexual relationship, and then this has really kind of helped her rediscover her sort of sexuality,
1: which yes. is great. Dana is good because she's talking about just discovering pleasurable feelings, isn't she, yes. rather than linking it to being heterosexual or bisexual, or mm-hmm. it's just about discovering what, what you enjoy, I think. Yes,
0: yeah, and if you'd like to find out more a reminder that the book is called coming soon great orgasms and better sex at your fingertips by dania shiftian and it's out now in paper we'll post a link on the facebook group but if you want to search online yes. it's probably worth putting in the publisher's name yes, which unique. is grey stone books <laughs> otherwise you could books. end up in all sorts of viral of horrible porny rude websitey situation which you might not want to do
1: and I also think because I was researching sex for the book I'm writing for teenage girls um, there is a lot of great information on YouTube there are a lot mm-hmm. of influencers on YouTube who are thoroughly trained very, really knowledgeable and I think it's worth watching those as an older woman as well they're very sex positive so they make mm-hmm. you feel quite a lot better about it but yes we will be putting um, all the details on our Facebook group and Greystone Books have given us 10 copies of the book coming soon Great Orgasms and Better Sex at Your Fingertips to give away so go on to our private Facebook group and all the details of how to win them will be there.
0: Right, I think we're ready for a bit of nostalgia noodling now. Shall I tell you about the random memory that popped into my brain or rather popped out of my mouth this morning, Lorraine? Yes, go on, fire away. Rude, <laughs> well, one of the kids asked me what the time was, and I didn't know I was going to do this, but I said, <laughs> at the third stroke, it will be 10, 57 and 50 <laughs> seconds precisely. Beep, beep. Beep. and obviously they thought i had gone insane they had more no insane. clue more insane no clue what i was talking about and i don't know where that came from but the speaking clock i think maybe it was one of my i would have quite liked to have been the voice of the speaking clock but i don't oh think i can see I, that <laughs> I can imagine that. Do you think that was a little audition? I believe it's still going. I tried to call 123 on my mobile and it didn't go through, but I know BT still run it and you can get it (laughs) on. online and um, that should I, should I just tell you very quickly did you know that there have been five voices of the speaking clock I'm wondering if I are they all six? women uh, no they're not actually they're three three women two men and the very first woman was called Ethel Jane Kane and she did it from 1936 to 1963 and the one that we'll probably know is a woman called Pat Simmons who did it until 1985 so that was probably more oh, our ir- of pop into the phone box and do you remember phone it
1: yes. and pretending mm. you were on the phone. <laughs> Yes, when your definitely. parents were there just to annoy them yes exactly chatting so away so that you could the... wait for your friend to ring you but you had to stand Aww. by the... someone would say I'll call you this evening at 8 o'clock but you had to stand by the phone yeah. then I would just quickly pick it up <laughs> someone else got there first what about you well, what About you? I've gone a bit mad my son is called Henry and mm-hmm. he was uh, in a dressing gown earlier this week and I said oh what are you doing you look like Hong Kong fooey in oh. <laughs> your little dressing gown um, and he had he just looked at me blankly oh, he so, so. What the no hell are you talking about who is what is hong kong food now do you do you remember hong kong of food? course i do i think it might have been my favorite yeah i'm not yeah i could sing. Going to, no, you know i like to
0: sing but i know
1: no. no not today he was the mild-mannered janitor, janitor. henry henry who, mm. exactly who would get into a filing cabinet this is all superheroes used to do this mm-hmm. get into something before, like Mr Ben get into a filing mm. cabinet and then his cat would have to thwack he, the top he of was the a dog cabinet. he was a dog wasn't he, he was a dog yes a talking dog and do you remember Rosemary the telephone oh operator? Rosemary yes <laughs> I
0: do see my voice I should be employed to do voices you think? should you should
1: that maybe that's <laughs> where your future lies voiceover <laughs> for adverts it? It's sheer ridiculous. Anyway, Hong Kong Fui, Google it, listen to the theme mm. tune. And it's you didn't mention pudding.
0: he does he does karate. You, you probably did mention Yes,
1: that. I forgot karate. Mention he does karate, hence the Hong Kong Fui link. Yes, because we've been watching Cobra Kai on Netflix. Oh, yes. Which is yeah. based on the Karate Kids. So all of us are doing our karate chops all around the house at mm-hmm. the moment. So oh, Hong like Kong Fui is particularly out.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe and download on your podcast provider. And if you could, we'd love it if you could rate and review us too.
1: Yes. And don't forget to join us and our community on our private Facebook group or our Instagram both called Postcards from Midlife, or you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com.
0: Goodbye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more.